Hi everyone, welcome to the third episode of Ukraine War Uncovered, podcast about the war in Ukraine. Today is 442nd day of the Russian full-scale invasion of Ukraine. My name is Pavlo and my colleague is Anna. We are Ukrainians and co-hosts of this podcast. In this podcast, we will uncover facts and stories about the war in Ukraine, some of which you may not hear from the mainstream media. We will provide you with key weekly updates about the war based on information from the ground, connect with eyewitnesses and experts directly from Ukraine, and share stories of wartime life inside Ukraine and stories of temporarily displaced people. We will also uncover Ukraine, its culture, language and history for you. this episode, in the topic of the week, we will cover environmental harm caused by military activities to Ukrainian soil, rivers and Black Sea. We will also provide you with key updates from the front lines and cover main events that happened in Ukraine during recent week and also share with you an event from Ukrainian history. So starting with our topic of the week, which is environmental harm caused by the war in Ukraine. To give you some perspective and understanding, Ukraine is among those countries which some call Green Heart of Europe. Obviously, there is no official title to be called like that in many countries call being Green Heart of Europe. But what the fact is that Ukraine is very green and very biodiverse country. Obviously, with a lot of human suffering and during the war, there is a lot of environmental suffering connected with the human suffering. To give you perspective in an understanding about Ukraine and what is biodiversity looks like, I'll give you some couple of facts about Ukraine. So Ukrainian biodiversity includes rare steppe ecosystem, coastal westlands, alpine meadows, ancient beach, forest, and extensive peatlands. The country shares part of Danube Delta, the second largest rival delta of continental Europe, and the largest red bit in the world. It includes vast pine oaken and birch forest and peat box in the Polisi region, northern Ukraine. The Carpathian Mountains in the western part of Ukraine are become home to ancient beech forest and alpine meadows. The territory of Ukraine habitats home more to more than 35% of European biodiversity, including 70,000 plant and animal species many of them rail, relic and endemic. They include European bison, brown bears, lynx, wolves, as well as sturgeon, the world's most threatened species. So you could imagine that with such biodiversity, the extent of environmental harm could be huge. And to give you some numbers and explanations, we, we will provide you with a couple of that. The total number of cases of environmental damage tops more than 2300 according to Ukraine Environment Minister Strelets. His ministry estimates the current damage to Ukrainian environment as more than 50 billion of UA dollars, which more than 48 billion of euros. To spread this number into different categories, putting the price tap on environmental damage, so we can see that the damage to caused to air pollution currently is more than 27 billion dollars. Damage caused to waste is more than $23 billion. Water resources damage is more than $1.6 billion. Soil damage, more than $1.3 billion. 
if you separate the damage and spread throughout the map, so you can see that the most affected areas are the areas on east and south of Ukraine, where the more the heaviest battles are happening right now and were happening during all this time. But that's not all the only places where the damage goes, because uh, one of the experts put a map of the damage, and you can see on that map the damage spread out through the whole territory of Ukraine on north, east, west, not only south, east. Also, if you separate this damage on the map by different type of infrastructure and categories of resources, so there are at least 60 reports of fuel infrastructure damage, at least 60 reports of energy infrastructure damage, uh, 17 reports of water infrastructure damage, 16 reports of industrial site damage, uh, 5 reports of marine territory, 5 places of industrial waste infrastructure damage. So, and that's very modest numbers of the destroyed sites with the energy or natural resources, but even one damage site caused a huge amount of environmental damage, which we'll about to assess in the nearest futures, destroying biodiversity, destroying rare species, and influencing human lives. Probably Anna, you would give us more information how it influences different species and human lives. Yeah, sure. I still can't believe that this all is happening with our country, and I even can't imagine how animals feel in all that situation. They don't understand anything. But many thanks to European Union for the help. Ukraine became the first non-European Union country to join the LIFE program, the European Union's funding instrument for environment and climate. More horrible and heartbreaking data from World Wildlife Fund. Fires sparked by attacks have already damaged over 100,000 hectares of natural ecosystems only think about this number, according to satellite data from the European Forest Fire Information System. According to the U Ukrainian Ministry of Environment and Natural Resources, at least 900 protected areas together covering 1.2 million hectares or 30% of all protected areas in Ukraine have been affected by shelling, bombing, oil pollution and military maneuvers. At least 14 Ramsar sites, valuable wetland areas that have been internationally recognized according to the Ramsar Convention on Wetlands, are under threat of destruction. They include the expensive shallow marine lagoons and the biggest islands of the Black Sea in Karniska and Jarlgatka Bays. The Dnipro River Delta, a refuge for nature in a region known for its huge agricultural fields. Up to 600 species of animals and 750 species of plants and fungi, some endangered, are under threat. More than 6 million Ukrainians have limited or no access to clean water, and according to the World Wildlife Fund, more than 20 to 280,000 hectares of forest have been destroyed. It's very heartbreaking. It's like huge numbers. Only imagine in the 21st century. In the heart of Europe, you don't have access to a clean water, and it happens just in a few weeks. And then, for example, in Mykolaiv, people spend nine months without access to clean water. But of course, our governments and people, they're doing their best to help each other, to support each other. But still, 
just imagine that one day you can wake up and you will have no electricity, no water, and you will have like damaged biodiversity in your country. Yeah, in terms of water and make alive, the volunteer groups and governmental organizations and authorities, they were delivering uh, on regular basis water supplies to people in make alive by bus, uh, by, by different ways of transport, in bottles, in gallons, and wires. So there have been many volunteer groups, people were in their cities collecting, drinking water, putting it on trucks, and it was delivered for to people in make alive. Make alive, that's not, not only example, there are many other examples where people were left without drinking water. In one of our future episodes, we will cover how Ukrainian volunteer movement organized, including one of those operations. I believe you have more data to share on that. Yes, sure. So more data from Yale Environment 360. Botanists at the Ukraine Nature Conservation Group have listed 20 steps species that they believe may disappear due to the war. What they say are endemic to the Black Sea Peninsula of Crimea, the largest center of endemism on the territory of Ukraine, with 44 plant species found nowhere else on Earth. A particular concern is the many coal mines abandoned after 2014, with pumping of water halted they have so far released some 650,000 acre feet of pulled mine water into the environment, according to Serhii Vanyuta of the National Institute for Strategic Studies in Kyiv. So, with all this damage, we at the Ukrainians ask questions how to compensate, but how to make our planet greener, safer for future generations of Ukraine before the start of the invasion. We are in the process of green transition towards renewable, towards more clean environment. And Ukraine still has plans to do so. So the question is what's with the renewable energy? And the problem is that much of Ukraine's renewable power capacity is located in south and east of Ukraine, where active fighting is taking place. The Ukrainian NGO Ecodia reports that more than half of Ukraine wind farms have already been shut down along with other renewable energy installations. And now we go to the question of the compensation. What to do with such extent? We hope that there would be a just mechanism to compensate and there would be enough resources to support compensation to environment, which is in some cases, especially with rare species, very difficult to compensate and balance again. One of possible tools is recently introduced EU carbon border adjustment mechanism, which is the world's first tool. It will start in 2026 and take full effect in 2034 and will impose a fee on carbon emission embedded in certain products imported into the EU, particularly those from most carbon-intensive sectors. The money raised will be directed to three funds boosting green projects, one of which is Social Climate Fund, the Social Climate Fund supports decarbonization in third-party states and could be part of Ukraine's compensation mechanism. Hope it will work and help mitigate at least some part of the cause damage. For some of you, of course, it could be just numbers. But think deeper. Think who stands for these numbers. How many people, how many animals whom you will never maybe see again on this planet and just imagine how people who didn't want to leave their pets, 
how they were trying to evacuate them. And there are like a lot of pictures of like dogs and cats who were paralyzed because they were so afraid, they didn't understand what was going on. And those people didn't leave their pets. They were like standing and like begging them, like, please, honey, let's go, we are in danger. Please, like, I can't take you in my hands, but please go. And those animals were trying to survive. It's, it's like really hard to believe that going on in, in the 21st century. I continue to repeat it again and again because I'm trying to put this into my mind. But also think about how zoos are functioning because like zoo cannot be evacuated. Some animals, of course, can be, but not like the whole entire collection. And history repeats itself. The same thing happened during the World War II, and the same thing happened with the London Zoo and Mikolaev Zoo, and they continue to function even during the occupation. Think about those brave people. Send them lots of positive energy and like really, very brave people, and I'm so proud of them. But let's move forward to our weekly news update. This week was really challenging and complicated, but our army and our people are so brave. So many, many thanks to our army and our government, and now you will understand why. So May 4th, Kyiv and Odessa were attacked by Shahid drones. Ukrainian military shot down 13 out of 15 of them. But unfortunately, the warehouse with the Red Cross humanitarian aid supplies was destroyed. And as you remember, Pavla and I, we are from Odessa. And it means when there was huge explosion in Odessa, it was at night. It woke up our families and of course my grandmother who, who went through a lot of things, including the Second World War, she woke up again because of explosions. And it's, this war happened second time in her life. But let's move forward. May 5th, Kherson was attacked with controlled air missiles and the local church and civilian households were damaged. May 6th, Ukraine returned 45 Azov battalion fighters captured during the bottle from Mariupol while Russia said three of its pilots uh, had been released by Kyiv. But neither side gave a full account of the apparent prisoner swap. The freed Ukrainian prisoners included 42 men and three women from the Azov Battalion, said Andriy Yermak, the head of President Volodymyr Zelensky's office. May 6, Ukrainian military shut down the first time the hypersonic missile Kinjal dagger. Until now, the daggers were not dealt with, with by Ukrainian air defense systems at these missiles fly at the extremely low elevation and at a speed five times higher than the speed of sound. Using the US-supplied Patriot air defense system, the Ukrainian military is now able to protect infrastructure and the lives of civilians more effectively. And it was a huge, huge win for us as for the army and for the nation because now we feel more protected. May 7th. Russians launched five X-22 missiles on Mykolaiv. No casualties were recorded. 18th and 9th May, Russia launched new drone and missile attacks on Ukraine. Another symbolic move linked to the Victory Day celebrated in Russia on May 9th. 
Ukrainian military shot down 35 out of 35 drones launched on Monday and 23 out of 25 drones launched on Wednesday. May 9th, Russian military parade has demonstrated particularly low numbers. A total of 51 vehicles was displayed at the parade, quite a decline from 131 in 2022 and 197 in 2021. No Air Force display was conducted. The most dramatic difference was noted uh, when only one World War II-era tank was leading the parade instead of dozens of modern tanks as it was in the years before. Obviously, no one from European or international leaders were presented at the Putin's parade in Moscow. Over the years, they destroyed the memory of the victims of the war, turning the parade not into an event of memory and peace, but into a real celebration of military power with a slogan we can repeat. This greatly distinguishes as Ukrainians from Russians. We in Ukraine grew up with completely different values. What we heard from our grandmothers, grandfathers who went through the Second World War is that we have to remember that it's like horrible things with lots of dead people. And we as human beings, as human beings of this world, we have to do everything to stop this aggression and never repeat it again. This is how we grew up in Ukraine. And in Russia, unfortunately, they celebrate the military power with their parade. And they even created the 9th May vodka. What can we speak about with those people who turned these horrible events into such like military mem memories with vodka? No comments here. We hope that there would be a special tribunal for war criminals and I believe on that there was something else happening on nights May this day. Yeah, another very symbolic thing that happened on May 9th Leaders of 37 member states of a core group, a special international task force, had a meeting where they confirmed their intention to create a special tribunal for Russian Federation. Finally, core group covers G7 states, European members, as well as a few states from the Global South. May 10th, Russian military planned to evacuate, but actually kidnap, 2,700 personnel from the Zaporizhia nuclear power plants amid Russian preparation for Ukrainian counteroffensive. According to the Energoatom, a Ukrainian nuclear watchdog, this would result a catastrophic lack of personnel to run the plants, even in a shutdown state. The chief of the International Atomic Energy Agency, Rafael Grossi, called this move potentially dangerous. The personnel is prohibited from leaving the premises of the NPP and is forced to sign contracts with Russians. Renat Karcha, chief of Russian Rosenerga Atom, denies uh, these claims and stipulates that all personnel works as usual, despite the evacuation of local citizens. As previously reported, Energa Atom has evidence of Russians locating military vehicles in the Turpin building of the block number four of the NPP, as well as some explosives. May 11th, Russians launched C-300 missiles on Slavyansk, it's in the Donetsk region, and killed a woman, destroyed two blocks of flats and one household. I believe as usual, they mentioned just in targets. Another event that happens on May 11th, 
connected with culture. Imagine Dragons released a clip for their song Crushed, where they showed the destroyed village in Ukraine and a ruined life of a young boy Sasha who endured months of shelling in his village. As a reminder, Imagine Dragons had dedicated members of the United 24 campaign supporting Ukrainians in the start of the full-scale invasion. Just to explain, United 24, that's official platform for fundraising to support Ukraine humanitarian needs, Ukraine defense and Ukraine reconstruction. It's backed up by Ukrainian president and Ukrainian government. But there are many famous people, are ambassadors of the United 24 platform, including Imagine Dragons, Ukrainian sportsmen and sportswomen, also famous world stars. And if you want to support Ukraine, you can go to United24 platform. You can donate to support projects you want. So if you don't want support military means, you can support humanitarian means. You even can't choose between the projects you would like to support within Ukrainian defense or Ukrainian reconstruction in the future. Also on May 11, the United Kingdom has supplied Ukraine with multiple storm shadow cruise missiles giving Ukrainian forces a new long-range strike capability in advance of a highly anticipated counteroffensive against Russian forces, multiple senior Western officials told CNN. The Storm Shadow is a long-range cruise missile with steel capabilities jointly developed by the UK and France, which is typically launched from the air with a firing range in excess of 250 kilometers. And one more update before we go to the front line. So this week in Liverpool, the Eurovision started. Just to remind you that last year in Italy, Ukrainian band Kalush Orchestra won. And unfortunately, because of the war, Ukraine was not able to host it. Though there was a dedication and even discussion that probably we can host it in the metro stations because Ukraine has one of the deepest metros in the European cave. And there have been a couple of concert interviews with world leaders and brand conferences held in the Kyiv metro, which was and still used as a bomb shelter during air raid siren attacks. But having all the considerations and UK's offer to host it on behalf of Ukraine, everyone agreed in Liverpool hosts Eurovision on behalf of Ukraine. I will provide you with more updates what's happened there probably next week. But Ukraine represented this year by band called Tworchi with song Heart of Steel. So hear it and watch it on Eurovision. But actually, like one quick comment here. Do you remember when we were listening? Stefania, mama, mama, Stefania. We believed that till Eurovision 2023 we will win and we would have this opportunity to host the whole Europe in our native Ukraine. But unfortunately, it didn't happen yet. But keep fingers crossed, and maybe next year we will host you. But for this, we need to win this year. So watch your revision or listen to your revision. And many thanks, Liverpool. And moving on uh, to update from the front lines. So as you heard from another, many things happened. The crazy week for civilian population inside Ukraine, because if you heard every other day, new missile strike or drone attack or Ukrainian cities, uh, peace casualties with hitting residential areas. So my update from the front lines will be shorter. On May 8th, Russians were pursuing offensive campaigns around Avdiivka, Bakhmut, Lysychansk, 
but had low-scale tactical success, as Ukraine military reports. So compared to the last week, you can see still the hottest areas are eastern parts of Ukraine around Donetsk and Lugansk region. On 10th of May, the 3rd Assault Brigade of Ukrainian Army informed that they destroyed two campaigns of Russian military brigades and regained control around 3 kilometers of Bakhmut territory. So you probably remember that last week we spoke with you that Ukraine controlled about 8% of Bakhmut, which is small but strategically important area, which is also about 3 kilometers. So this week, Ukrainian army liberated three more square kilometers of Bakhmut. Still, we expect more heavy battles happening there, but you can see on the maps, which we will post under description in this podcast, how, how heavy it's happened and that Ukraine really fights for every square feet of its territory. To show you that the evil would be defeated and peace will prevail, there was a video posted by one of Ukrainian military guys from trenches. Though they show their trenches uh, under sunshine, uh, but and the sun is shining and the trees are blossom. I believe it's sakura or other trees, but that's very beautiful. And on the on the one hand, and the terrific picture on the other hand, which became viral. We would also leave the link in the description. And this video was posted with the. Uh, with a text which I will read you just in a moment. So the text sh- uh, says beautiful blossom and war trenches. We are keep fighting for our bright peaceful future and our free land under the shining spring sun. So with this inspiration uh, we break and moving on to our week in the history of Ukraine. Many people are well aware of the largest aircraft in the world called Maria, Dream in Ukrainian. But not so many know about its predecessor, Ruslan, the second largest plane in the world. Ruslan is the name for, for a man in Ukraine. On May 7, 1987, the Ukrainian-made plane Ruslan set a world record by covering 20,151 kilometers without refilling for 25 hours and 30 minutes. It carried 455 tons of weight. Ruslan was designed and built by the famous Ukrainian engineer Antonov in Kyiv. A year later, Maria, an updated version of Ruslan, did its first flight carrying spaceships for the Soviet space programs. It was destroyed by Russian army in February 2022. Moving on to the word of the week. Uh, and word of this week is Pavovna, which is in English cotton. That's a jockey word for explosions somewhere in Russia on, on Russian-controlled territories or military objects. Uh, why this word is important and become viral, uh, I will repeat, Babovna, which means cotton English. So Russian media tries to use euphemism to hide the fact that there was an explosion on, on Russian territory on some military object. So instead of saying that the explosion happened, they call the explosions by word hlopok, which means clap, bang, but the same word with the same spelling and pronunciation, hlopok, means cotton in English and bavovna in Ukrainian. So when there are explosions happening in Russian media, say that was hlopok, which is cotton, Ukraine says, yes, so there is bavovna somewhere on the Russian military base happening. So that's a 
chalky work to describe explosion in Russia or Russian territories that creates lots of uh, love and cheerfulness uh, in Ukrainian bubble, but creates some, uh, I believe, disappointment in Russian media when we use it. So that's it for today. In the next episode, we will cover siege of Mariupol and one of the riskiest operations of Ukrainian army to rescue people from Azovstal. That's a plant in Mariupol where soldiers and civilians were held under siege by Russians for more than 80 days. Thank you for being with us today. See you next week. Actually, hear you next week. Glory to Ukraine. Glory to Ukraine. Thank you. Thank you.